Welcome to Tech on Toast. The Tech on Toast podcast is powered by REMS Hospitality, using market data to grow your revenue. To find out more about Tech on Toast, head over to our website, techontoast.community, where you can listen to all of our podcasts, read all of our blogs, and search for the latest hospitality tech in our marketplace. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to the next episode of Tech on Toast and this week we're joined by Angus Jackson, co-founder of Storkit. Angus, how are you? Very good, very good Chris. I'm glad to be here. Good, we're glad to have you. And, and before we get into this Angus, um, we normally have a little talk about you and what you've done in the past. So tell us a little bit about your journey in tech. How have you ended up here being co-founder of Storkit? Good question. So it's been a it's been a long journey. I, uh, I, I actually graduated into this space um, back in 2013, 2014, um, essentially at the inception of, of iPad POS. Um, so myself, along with my other two founders, Christoph and Ben, we helped launch a couple of iPad point-of-sale systems into Europe back when iPads themselves were, were, were really toys for, for angry birds. And uh, <laughs> right. the whole idea of using iPad to run your business was completely absurd, and we were cycling our bikes around Shoreditch and Soho trying to trying to get coffee shops to take the products on board. Um and I guess we've 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 evolved through the years. Uh, we 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 did a consulting gig where we were helping operators transition to these new cloud-based technologies. Um, you know, working with stock systems, EPOS systems, payment systems, you know, everything that fits into that ecosystem. Um, and off the back of that consulting project, we uh, we launched Storekit in in 2017. Uh, initially, we we you know we wanted to bring our our knowledge of the industry our uh, knowledge of, of tech ecosystems to a wider audience so we decided to platformize that knowledge and and build this one stop shop for operators to to choose and, and and buy tech and that was the first iteration of of storekit um so we wanted to help operators make the right decisions not go down the the wrong path with tech invest in things that that aren't the right fit for them especially at a time where there was a lot of money flooding into cloud tech in the space uh, and there are a lot of companies with aggressive sales targets and aggressive sales teams, all thinking they had the best products in the world. Um, so that was the the, the the first launch of Storekit. Um, that was going very well. Um, we were scaling up quickly. We were growing the team. Uh, big part of that business was was payment processing and, and, and card machines and all that fun stuff behind the scenes. And we'd started building some of our own tech around credit card machine integrations. And uh, And then March 2020 hit hard like it did for everybody yeah. for, a, for a business that was reliant on credit card machines being switched on and, and tapped on in venues uh you know th- things went south a bit quickly when uh, when they were all switched off um so in march we were we were left in a bit of a pickle with a bit of a decision to make really in terms of what direction we went in and, and obviously you know we were all in the same boat at that point not knowing how long this was all going to last um and ben who's our, our technical founder uh, amazing amazing product guy uh background in in, in kind of e-commerce and, and, and retail had always talked about how there was a lack of good e-com tech in hospitality uh, and, and no dominant global players really um you know in the retail space there are names that we all know shopify yeah. big commerce woocommerce you don't have the same in hospitality and you also have a lot of or had a, a lot of kind of legacy old clunky tech at the time um, and Ben had always talked about building something, and we'd always said, "No, no, why would we do that? Doesn't make any sense at all." <laughs> and there's never any time, right? 
there's never any time. Uh, we, we, we found ourselves with some time and, and one weekend, Ben went into his, uh, into his bedroom, hacked away for a few hours and, and on Monday came out with a V1 of the product, uh, which was, which was surprisingly impressive for, for, for a couple of days work. And, uh, and we made the decision there to start pushing that out, out as a free product to our existing estate of, of, of operators, uh, help them for a couple of months sell online through the pandemic at the time thinking it was going to be a couple of months max, uh, hopefully help us recoup some of the lost payment processing volume um, to keep our lights on. And then the plan was to go back to business as normal. Uh, we'll go back to the old model. And uh, that never happened. We kept growing. Traction was amazing. Feedback was amazing. We scaled up the team. End of last year, kind of, yeah, Q, Q3, Q4 last year, we made the decision to, to, to fully pivot, buzzword of the, the past two years. Fully pivot, uh, focus fully on on the Stalkit platform. And yeah, we went out and raised money. We quintupled the size of the team, continuing to grow fast. Um, and yeah, t- t- today Stalkit is the, 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 the easiest kind of mobile ordering solution for ambitious and forward-thinking operators. Uh, and, and it is interesting, isn't it? Because we've met you, uh, I don't know, we met you about five months ago. And we're, the weird one thing that triggers me is that um, when you talked about iPads, when I interviewed Zong from DeliverAct, he built Lightspeed. And I remember Correct. Lightspeed being built and um, Zong was saying, yeah, was, he was so excited. He was the only person. But he said, I was the only person excited about iPads at that point being in restaurants. He said, so it is, it is interesting how that journey has shifted absolutely entirely, hasn't it? And I think yeah. being super shifted by the 18 months or I suppose it's two years now, the two years we've had. And, and what's the feedback like then? So you've got Stalker out there. You're now a totally new, I suppose, you've pivoted entirely, as you said. So we've- how's the feedback been from your new and old clients? Feedback has been amazing. I mean, it's 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 a it's a really interesting space for us to be in because we came from the world of point of sale, which is historically a very very high friction environment to work in. Yeah, um, it's funny. Uh, you know, anyone who works in point of sale actually it's 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 kind of a strange place to play because you talk to any of your customers and very rarely do they love you. You're either there working or you're solid or you do what you're meant to do. Uh, or you're absolutely horrendous and you're hated and, and, and everything about you is, is hated, um, which is not a very nice place to be in, right? If you think you're building this amazing technology. Um, but we found ourselves now in this in this beautiful space where where our customers, our, our venues we work with absolutely love us. I, I find that because it's, it's a revenue stream that was always there. Obviously, it's F&B going in and out the door, but it's a different, it is a different revenue stream allowing people to order or pay like they do uh, and be able, and the speed of what you do is ridiculous, isn't it? So how how fast can we do a transaction? I think you quote. I, I tried to quote this at some point. Yeah, I got it wrong. How fast is a transaction through Storekit? It really depends how many products you're ordering. Obviously, I mean, you 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 can order a, a quick round of, of of a beer and 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 a, and a glass of wine, for example, in 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 ten fifteen seconds. It's it's really really fast, uh, and, and I guess it's built with a, a consumer grade mindset in mind. Um, right. I think th- that's the big mistake we see other players in the space making. Uh, you know, th- this isn't new technology, right? People were building mobile ordering solutions when we were starting to sell iPad POS yeah. seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, the big difference is, is one now consumer expectations have changed. Uh, we have, you know, hundreds of apps on our phone. Most of them are quite slick, and there are a number of those that we're used to interacting with on a daily basis, the, the Deliveroo's, the Uber Eats, the WhatsApps, the Facebooks, whatever they are. And, and as consumers, we expect our digital experience in restaurants to be on par with those digital experiences we're used to. Uh, and, that, and that's a big piece of, of how we approach building the platform from, from, from day one. 
Yeah, and I think that's the most interesting part. Someone asked me the other day, oh, what's changed since COVID in hospitality? I said, well, nothing. The world's changed since COVID. And I think we've all got really impatient. But not in, we don't feel like we're impatient. We just expect if we can do something on Spotify really quick or on Amazon or wherever we are, if I can do a refund in three clicks on Amazon, why can't I do it to order my beer in the restaurant? So I exactly. think so people's expectations have entirely shifted just along with what's changing in technology generally. So I find it really interesting. What you say about Poz as a former operator, you are so right. I think <laughs> my with a pain in my backside. It was never a good thing. No one ever ran me up to say, do you know what? This tail's really good. They only ever rang up when the button didn't work or it didn't go here or the kitchen went down. I wasn't talking to this. Exactly. Think of so, all yeah. our souls who have been working for point of sale businesses. <laughs> yeah, you probably think I'm I have. Saying, every but... No one loves us. Yeah. And, and I suppose, I mean, before we get onto a bit more generalist stuff, what's the plan for the next few years for Stalker? Are you, are you, is there more development going on? Are you reacting to customers' feedback? What's the plan? Yeah, so we're, I mean, we're, you know, the, the building is never finished with a project like this. It's a constant evolution. Um, a lot of what we build is in reaction to, to customer feedback. Um, we're quite democratic about the whole thing. Um, we, we want operators to have an input in the product. We're, we're, we're really building a toolkit for operators, hence hence the name Storekit. Um, we're not building a, a brand for their consumers, for their customers. You know, we're, we're building something to make their lives easier. And, and, and you know, we need to make sure that they have a say in that first and foremost and we can we can talk about that a little bit more later on um but it's really yeah building up our, our integrations um so we're starting to push those out pretty quickly now um which is again super important right now given the the approach that a lot of operators have to their tech and and, and the idea of having a tech stack with various different solutions making up that that operating model um for now we're really really focused on nailing the uk it's our home market it's yeah. where we live we're based on on regent street in the in the heart of the west end uh, in the middle of, of tons of amazing bars, restaurants, clubs. Um, but over the next couple of years, we'll be looking to expand uh, internationally and we'll be starting with, with, with Europe most likely. Uh, we've already got a couple of beta customers in, in France, in, in Finland and a few other European countries. Um, but yeah, the, the plan is to, is to build up the product and feature set, uh, really, really do as many integrations as we can uh, and make sure those integrations are best in class yeah. Uh, I think there's a there's a tendency in this industry to, to do quick and dirty integrations just to get them up on a website and, and listed as a partner. Uh, it causes more frustration than it's worth. We really want to make sure those integrations are two way, absolutely best in class uh, that, that work for us, for the partners we're integrating with and for the venues that are making use of those as well. That's really key. And, and again, once I was sitting on the board at Prime Minister until recently, and we we bought something. Uh, I won't say who it was, and we and I already had something else existing which I wanted to connect to it. And straight up, I was really excited about what we were going to buy. I presented it to the founders. Everyone was happy. Everyone was signed off. And then we literally got to that point where we were like, "Oh, we don't have an API into them, or we can't we can't connect. We can do it, but it might take nine months." And and again, obviously, operators don't understand what you guys have to do to build that. I get I, yeah. I get it takes time, but I suppose it's that frustration, isn't it? You're sitting there thinking, "God, I want it," because we're also impatient we also want the guests to have a great time and it's and yeah that 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 kind of uh missing link um between the two becomes becomes i suppose frustrating and hence why you're taking more time around doing it the right way and making sure that you're upfront about who you do yeah and that's definitely becoming easier as more suppliers tech or otherwise in this space become become more open to working with partners yeah um, again, historically, if you look at tech in the space, it's been a it's been a one stop shop behemoth. 
closed doors, don't want to talk to anyone, don't want to integrate with anyone, you're going to take my customer kind of mentality, uh, which doesn't work for anyone. Actually, we just need to be open. We need to work with one another. And we need to understand that actually we're all working towards the greater good, trying to displace these behemoths. Um, and, and that's the way to look at it. Um, so we're super open to integrations. Um, and, and yeah, when we work with others who are super open, actually that integration process can be very quick and painless. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It can take it can take a couple of days if it needs to, um, as wow. long as as long as we're integrating to the right tech, uh, in terms of. Open that's and, the interesting part, isn't it? That it's if it's the same in any kind of business transaction. If you're open, honest, and you're forward with what you're doing, and you, you know you're open to kind of collaborate, then things can happen a lot quicker, a lot smoother, and the communication outwardly is so much easier, right? And that what you said about stealing each other's customers, I find that's been a huge shift. I've really noticed that over the last few months, particularly actually coming out the back of the pandemic, well, still going on, but coming out the lockdown, um, you see a lot more people sharing, a lot more tech guys standing together as a, as a yeah. staff, I suppose, as you call it. Um, it's, it is interesting. And, and that leads me on to my question, because operators are buying tech all the time. And you mentioned legacy tech, uh, which is interesting, because a lot of people already had technology, obviously, before the pandemic. Uh, and I think a lot of them have almost ended up with more problems than they had prior because they've kind of built all this stuff, they've got it in there, and now they've got humans in the restaurants or bars as well, and the two don't match. How, how do you go about assisting your your um, customers to land tech properly? Because it's not easy, right? No, it's not. I mean, I, I think, again, coming from the world of, of point of sale and particularly like newer cloud-based point of sale systems and, and stock systems, one thing we we noticed very early on in, in, in that business was there was a big gap between the technology and the operation. Yeah. And on one end of things, you have a rapidly growing tech business that's got a ton of smart engineers that think they know what the industry needs and they're building features for that. Uh, and then also in that business, you have, you know, onboarding or, or training or team, you know, wh whatever they call them, customer success. Um, and, and quite often those are tech people implementing tech, you know, essentially, you know, by the rule book, um, as they've been told to by by, by the tech that they're rolling out. Um, you know, I think we, we picked up on that early on and we realized that the, 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 the key to landing tech is making sure that your customer success team, the people implementing that tech or helping your venues implement that tech are operators. And they come with an operations hat on, not a tech hat on. Yeah. And that's a massive, massive bonus. Um, and once you do that, you have people speaking the right language, uh, makes a world of difference. The, the, the language piece for me is the big bit because, and it's the, it's the breadth of hospitality. It's not because the problem is you kind of, all of us do it. We kind of sit with our casual dining hat on. You think about Wagger, you know, Bills, all these guys. But the reality is, is the pub on the corner who needs this kit. There's the uh, restaurant, Italian restaurant in Caffili down the road from here that needs this kit. That All these guys actually need it, but you can't go in and just talk to them like they're a hundred site company you know single sites founder operate owner operators running shifts in the business it is that language piece is absolutely huge because they'll just switch off if you don't it's, it's really important and you'll find with especially with smaller kind of independent operators who are trying to do everything themselves right yep. there, there, there's a there's a fear aspect to things so so there's an awareness that they need this technology there's an awareness that their customers want and expect this technology but there's a huge fear of, of them being able to actually roll it out and implement it successfully. Yeah. Um, and that's where you need somebody with an operations hat and operations mindset to come in and say, listen, this is your space. This is how it's going to work. This is how the kitchen currently operates. This is how I think it should operate. Um, and this is how the tech is going to bring all of that together. Um, 
And yeah, a lot of tech companies don't have the ability to have those conversations. And, and, and we do. And I think that gives us a big feather in our hat. Yeah, so we have, I mean, like Evo, who heads up our customer success team, was the ex-managing director of Hummus Brothers in London. So he was right. a multi-site MD, uh, an early adopter of cloud tech himself. Uh, you know, he'll come into conversations with, with new venues that sign up with us with his strict operations hat on and nothing else. And, 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 and you know, he'll make sure that he makes that thing work no matter what it takes. And, and that's um, interesting as well. Himself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it's because it, ops directors now, uh, people who generally you know run the operations, head of ops, whatever you want to call them, um, if they're not digitally minded, it's potentially a problem, isn't it? Because obviously they're very good at what they do. They manage multiple sites or they manage a single site, whatever it might be. But then because of what's come in and because of what's changing, uh, not just StoreKit, but all the other you know APIs you might have feeding into you from different bits of tech, booking systems, all sorts, it, become, it becomes tricky. You, and the role of CTO, I see, keeps popping up more and more in hospitality businesses. And these CTOs, I don't think they existed. I mean, not even a year ago. I don't remember seeing maybe one or two. Uh, obviously, it was the head of IT, and the poor head of IT used to do everything. Um, so, yeah, the CTO role seems to be popping up more and more. Do you think that's pretty vital for what's coming up for the next five, 10 years for these guys? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important. And we've sat down with a number of, of CTOs, CIOs from, from high street groups over the past couple of, of months, kind of you know brainstorming and talking about tech and, and their expectation of what's going to happen in the future. Um, I, I think what that signals is a shift in like operators' understanding of, of the importance of tech and how tech is now a direct uh, mirror of, of the experience that you're going to have in a venue. Before it was a tool, it was something that sat in the background. Now it is it is part and parcel of that experience yeah. you go in and, and have as a, as a customer. Um, so they need to think of that as as a piece of their product where they didn't really have to before. It was a, it was a behind the scenes operational tool. Yeah, and I think one of the issues you'll come up against, I'm sure, is the people issue, right? People will say, "Oh, but you're putting tech in. You're going to remove a bartender. You're going to remove a waiter. You're you know you're um you're." You're almost punishing us with this evil tech, but actually, it's the opposite, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, th- that's one of the big problems we see with this type of tech, with mobile ordering tech, and, and I guess poor implementations of that tech. Um, and you know, when you speak to operators who say, "Okay, we we tested mobile ordering and it didn't work, or our customers didn't like it," actually, the, the, there's two answers we have there. One is you didn't implement it right. Customer does not want to walk in. You point to a table and tell them to order from the from the QR code. That's not how it works. You still need to greet them. You still need to talk them through the the complex Israeli menu you've got on your phone. You still need to <laughs> you still need to explain where the ingredients came from, what's fresh that day, what the specials are. That's what we still accept expect as customers. Uh, but what we're happy to do is 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 place a payment on our phone, place an order on our phone, pull the bill in at the end of the order. All that all that kind of menial stuff that that, that takes time and, and, and detracts from the overall experience of a, of a, of a dining out uh, experience you know what we don't want to do is 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 have an amazing experience amazing staff they take our order they tell us all about everything we get to the end of the meal and it takes 20 minutes to get to the bill uh, to get the bill and to get the card machine and and, and yeah we leave annoyed frustrated that's not what we want yeah, and I think that's and again. I was doing something the other day, and someone one of the most annoying and that waiting is the most annoying thing about hospitality. You know, like going shopping, shopping, waiting is the most annoying thing. Uh, being yeah. stuck, you know, waiting in a queue, waiting to pay, waiting whatever it might be. So yeah, and I think if you can address that with tech, then surely that frees up your humans to go and do a great job with other stuff. So yeah, I, I, th- exactly. I think and, and and that's all part of of having operators running our customer success team. 
Yeah. We built the tech to be as simple enough to operate, not 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 simplistic, not basic, but simple to operate. Um, meaning you you don't need to go through hours and hours of training and onboarding to use the tech. Instead, we use that time to focus on the operations and how the tech influences those operations. Uh, and that makes a big difference. We're not going through a, a tick box exercise of this is how you do this. This is how you do that. This is how you do this, which is how this 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 world used to work. No, I, I never forget. We rolled up Pronet in Coluccio's, um, God, probably 10, 12 years ago now. And it was, it's a maintenance tool for no, anyone who doesn't know it. it. It brings all your maintenance into one place, I suppose. You can manage it from there. And we tried to do it without putting someone in charge of Pronet. So basically all the area managers own Pronet. We all had it. We all running around. It was no one locked a job on it. No, it was just carnage, absolute carnage. But we were paid for it. And then we eventually brought in someone called a guy called Ben Roberts, who actually ran Pronet from centrally from the office. And my God, we saved a fortune over the next you know few months and years because we really got the ROI on it. And I think that's what operators need to listen to. That if you really focus on what you've purchased and actually understand that the the output it can do, what you guys sold to them. Then yes, it's a huge advantage, but you have to land it. So yeah, I think it's um it's interesting. I think it's going to be more interesting as we go on because there's so much more to come. Yeah, it's we we have a lot of conversations with operators around around exactly that. It's 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 implementing it in a way that it works for the venue and its staff, uh, because you know getting staff buy-in is really important with this kind of tech because there's a fear that the the robots are taking jobs away and and you know infringing on tips and whatever else which which you know 100 is not the case you have to get staff buy-in on one side and you have to implement it in such a way that that you don't detract from the overall experience that a customer is having in the venue um, and those two things together are super super important and it's something we spend a lot of time focusing on in, in the rollout process and, and and the other and the other massive advantages which will then input to payroll actually and give you more hours to spend i was talking to an operator who, who works in cardiff in a street food venue big yeah. venue called the depot and he was doing, um, I think, about, I don't know, 400 transactions on a Saturday night. Uh, they put mobile ordering payments in, and they've gone up to 700 transactions. So it just shows the speed and the, and the efficiency that you can get quicker. And yes, it brings its own problems. Then you've got to have more chefs to cook or whatever it might be. But it's a good problem to have, right, to have more transactions going through your books as opposed to the clumsy ordering or half digital ordering we had before. It, it just makes total sense to me. Exactly. I think, yeah, it's a good problem to have. It's a, it's a solvable problem, but, it, but it's something that comes up a lot, right? Is, is how do I manage capacity? How do I, how do I make sure my, my team aren't overwhelmed? Um, and we have some interesting use cases with various clients where they, you know, have their operations teams doing, doing job one until a certain time and then the peak hits and then all of a sudden everyone changes and, and, and they're in a bar and they go into run mode, for example. And everyone yeah. who was previously doing all these different jobs in the in the kitchen behind the bar clearing up are now just running drinks and that's their that's their one job for the next one and a half two hours running drinks running drinks running drinks and they can take the capacity and and it's significantly more drinks than they would have been producing without the tech hospitality has evergreen problems right nothing ever i mean we've got issues that we've always had and we probably always will have in a certain way but i think what we're trying to do is enhance i think you mentioned the word experience before about enhancing the experience using digital means. And I think that's the key that's really changing things. And one of the questions I want to ask you is about digital transformation, because uh, a lot of people talk about it a lot of the time saying you have to transform digitally, otherwise you'll never make it and you'll never be successful. Uh, but how do you actually do that? Because I think, do you have it sit alongside your operational strategy? Is it something you need to build from scratch? How do you approach digital transformation, Angus? I, I, I think it has to sit alongside the operational strategy. Um, 
you know it's 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 funny because because more and more this tech is starting to be bought by marketing teams um which is interesting and i don't think it's necessarily the right way to do things i think marketing should be involved in these decisions but at the end of the day it's 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 an operations problem it's an operation why do you think that is sorry because I, I i agree I, I i'm in a marketing group and i see a lot of people talking about stuff they're buying and it is those guys at least involved in the decision making it's I, I think it's i think it's linked partly back to a lot of the mistakes or at least our opinion of the mistakes that operators have made over the past couple of years with this tech which is which is I guess an an over focus and an over reliance on order and pay as a source of of, of data, yeah, um, and, and as a, a kind of essentially a, a billboard in a customer's hand, right? Um, you know, obviously, when you have a, a digital screen in front of a customer, you're going to want to try and sell as many products as possible. You're going to want to try and portray the the brand in as as good a light as possible on on uh, on on the brand guidelines as much as possible. Um, our opinion is that customers don't care about a lot of that stuff. Yes, your brand is important. Don't get me wrong, but there are much better ways to bring your brand into that experience than than, than you know chucking a load of logos in front of them when they're trying to place a beer as quickly as your order as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, so make that digital ordering experience slick, fast, efficient, uh, and then have beautiful imagery on the on the platform, beautiful videos, design a beautiful venue, design a beautiful experience around that ordering experience. Hire beautiful people. Uh, don't, hijack the, don't hijack the checkout. Hijack the checkout. I like that one. That's going on a quote. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I think that, you, know, just, you just have to keep putting yourself back in the customer's shoes. Well, we are customers, right? We go out, we you know, do stuff, buy stuff, eat stuff. And, and nothing ever will overtake. I always say to people that if you have bad service, product generally doesn't save you. And it's the same for if you're going through a digital process or a digital experience, that if it is clunky or if it's slow or if it breaks, it ain't going to say, you know, no matter how good your pie is or your dish is at the end of that experience, you know, it's not going to save you, not coming back. And it's yeah. so easy now to walk next door. In fact, you don't even have to walk next door. Just go on your phone. You can yeah. go on your phone in your competitor's venue and change your mental shelf space to pick a new customer. That's how powerful it is. And I just think, yeah, you're so right. I, I think the operators, I mean, I'm biased, should be in charge of all of that process, but <laughs> who am I? <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice. We're, you know, again, we're, we're starting to have good conversations with operators who, who realize that they made those mistakes two, three years ago. Yeah. And they realize, again, it's, it's going back to the changing consumer expectations. All a consumer wants is to be able to place an order for a beer as quickly as humanly possible uh and 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 they don't want you putting barriers in in that process and they don't want to have to sell their soul to get that beer yeah so you you, you would never get them to log in on facebook on your card machine would you so why are you why are you doing it on your order and pay platform Um, and that's again something we we focus on a lot it's brilliant (laughs) and and, and tech solves a lot of problems obviously uh i mean you're solving a massive one uh with stalker what do you think we're not solving What, what do you think tech isn't solving it and could it Good question. I mean, there's obviously still a, a huge staffing problem in our industry, um, and, and tech is not something that's going to solve that. Uh, we're, we're a people business, and, and, and people you know, buy, buy into people at the end of the day. Um, there's definitely tech that can help with that hiring process, or, uh, whether that's onboarding, whether that's attracting talent in the first place. Uh, there's been a lot of fun stuff recently around um, brands like Buzzworks running hiring campaigns on, uh, on TikTok, for example, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but but yet yeah, I don't think I don't think that's ever a space that tech is going to to, to, to take over and, and and automate everything and and, and fix the problem. Uh, it, it's it's something we need to do collectively as an industry, making sure that it's attractive, 
uh, making sure that we focus a little bit more on work-life balance, on the mental health impact of working in hospitality, but also understanding that, that when we're trying to attract people, uh, I think it's something you, you said in a post the other day, is that we don't just have to attract people thinking that, that hospitality needs to be, be a career. It can also be a stopgap or a stepping, to, a stepping yeah. step to, to something different. It can also be your part-time job where you're at uni trying to get your geography degree, whatever it is. Um, yeah, and I think I remember when we joined the Hard Rock many, many years ago, we were told if you if this is a part-time gig for you guys, we don't care. You know, just come in, join in, you'll be treated like a full-time, you know. And I, I think for many, many years, the part-timers were kind of uh, frowned upon. But I tell you what, on a weekend when you need them, they're the ones you pull in yeah. first, like right? the guys that stayed the bacon. And um, I think there's, a, there's yeah, there's a huge issue with uh, people um, from top to bottom. The fact is everybody's talking about it, which is a good start, right? Uh, it doesn't mean it's getting fixed yet, but it's, it's a kind of a start to the – to the solution, hopefully. But um, uh, the solution is just having more cool people in the business, right? We look after people, as you said, wellness and all that kind of stuff. It's really important. Um, and okay. in your world, um, you have it's your team. How much your team's grown to? How many people now? We are twenty nine people now. Uh, and you what? How, many, how many were you just uh, in the pandemic? In uh, in March twenty twenty, we were five. Wow. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I suppose you get asked lots of weird and wonderful questions, and I suppose you're fielding. Uh, a lot of questions because you're doing a lot of roles. You have many hats, I'm sure. What's the most common request you get in January from clients about Stalker? Is there something that keeps popping up? You're like, we need to fix this or we need to make this or build this. I mean, one of the big ones is, is integrations. Uh, and yeah. it's happening more and more as the industry cottons onto the fact that you shouldn't rely on one provider to run your whole operation because it's just an accident waiting to happen. You need to have you know multiple pieces of the puzzle in place that you can replace quickly if you need to. Um, so there's a lot more requests for integrations into kind of CRM uh, solutions, loyalty systems. Um, obviously, POS is a big one. It's kind of the the, the, the core of the, the operation in the venue. Um, that's that's the main one for now. Um, again, a lot of the focus on what we're building and, and I guess a lot of what comes out of conversations with existing customers is is, is like stuff around the operation. So how do we solve the problem of capacity management in a smart way, which is something we're working on? Um, so how do you make sure a bar isn't overwhelmed? How do you make sure that they're able to pour the pints quick enough? Uh, how, how do we know when the peak times are going to be? Um, how do we make sure uh, with with tools built into the product that the kitchen isn't overwhelmed with tickets because you've got you know a group of 10 mates sitting at a table all ordering on their on their phones, uh, sending 10 tickets to the kitchen, whereas before you would get one kitchen from the POS. Um, yes which is a problem we yeah we, we, we've solved with with a cool batching feature um which is which is yeah again really really important to a lot of operators because that's quite common right isn't it because in the world of personalization right I, if i want to sit and hang out with my mates i don't drink as fast as friend b so i'm just gonna have my, my pint when i want it uh he's gonna knock through 15 of them and then well, i've had four it, it is it is because I, I think the customer likes that right they like the fact that they can paste their own meal and order the way they want Exactly. The the customers absolutely love it. The uh, the, the kitchen staff or the bar staff aren't, aren't so fond of it, but there are, there are definitely solutions. And, and some of those we've implemented already, some of those we're, we're working on. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff around that piece of the product. Uh, and obviously, we're always, you know, I think there's a there's a famous kind of quote on, on UX, and, and Ben uses this a lot, which is, if, if, if there's anything else to remove UX-wise, you haven't finished your job. So from a, a, a you know UX experience, uh, there's always work to do, um, yeah. and there's a, there's 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 new new products we'll be releasing in in the next kind of month or two months, which I can't say much about, but they're very cool. 
um, launching in, in January, February time. Various new integrations. We just announced one this week with a very cool um, CRM and Wi-Fi platform, Stampede. Um, so that allows you as an operator to, to to actually action some of the really powerful basket data you get from, from StoreKit, which you haven't really had access to before. That's the key, isn't it? That's the key. Making you, I mean, um, I'm sure Vic from DataHawks would agree here, but maybe actually using your data for power, right? And being able to empower that that information you've kind of got in there, but doing it properly, as you said, building it with an API best in class, someone else who does it really well and feeding it through them and then actually being able to mark it on the back of it, which is just fantastic, right? Exactly. I think, yeah, amazing integrations in, in, into powerful solutions that, that we don't want to build ourselves. Uh, and I also think a, a key there is 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 not, putting data ahead of the customer experience. And that's what a lot of operators have done. They've, they've, they've realized, okay, this is an amazing tool to gather data. Let's just gather a load of data. And then you as a customer order a beer and you have to put in your name, birthday. <laughs> they, yeah. I don't know what I'm I do it all the time. Favorite yeah. color, all of this stuff. And, and, and actually you have a horrendous experience. You need to make sure that customer experience is absolutely on point. And then you can start finding smart ways to gather data. Um, and, and that's how you're going to keep customers coming back. Yeah, because it takes months to find one, right? And seconds to lose one, I think, my boss. Exactly. exactly. Many years ago. And, exactly. and Angus, if people want to get hold of you and find out all about StoreKit, what's the best way to... So we're on all the uh, on all the social channels. So we're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. Uh, check out the, the website. We've gone through a beautiful new rebrand. Um, we're really very different to others in the space. Uh, StoreKit.com. We're bold. We're loud. We're pink. We're yellow. Um, <laughs> and I can have some fun with it. At the Bar and Tech Show, you had a unique way of um, driving people to meet the store kit people, didn't you? What were you, what were you giving out? Um, everyone was wondering. Yeah, about- yeah. It, it turns out grown adults are absolutely absolutely infatuated by by rum at 9 a.m. Rum slushies <laughs> at 9 a.m. Who knew? <laughs> well, after the year we've been through, I think, everyone, I think most people are drinking <laughs> rum at 9 a.m. Okay, that's great. Angus, thank you very much. It's a whistle-stop um, tour of Stalker and yourself. Um, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we will see you soon. Say thank you very much. Thanks very much, Chris. It's been great, and we'll uh, we'll speak soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in next week to find out who we've got coming up, or you can go and check out techontoast.community to find out more about what we're up to. Have a great week. Thank you.